This week on Moms Moving On. If we don't allow ourselves to feel the gamut of our emotional experience, we're not going to actually feel healthy, right? Because what happens if we're not given permission, and often this starts in childhood where we're sort of, you know, told, don't feel your feelings or just smile or... Oh, you're okay. You're fine. Or you're okay, yeah, yeah. Pick, pick, pick your pick your sentence, right? Pick the one that fits. And a lot of times we learn this as children, especially children who have been through trauma and complex trauma, we learn to hide the nuances of our emotions just to survive. So literally it becomes this sort of trauma response and survival mechanism. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. We have Dr. Jen Wolken on with us today. And if you know me, you know I love her and share all her stuff on the gram. And we've had great conversations in the past. But today we're going to be talking about giving yourself the permission to feel your feels. And if you don't know her yet, Dr. Jen is a health and neuropsychologist speaker, writer, and fierce mental health advocate. She is honest as the day is long, transparent and educational. And I am so happy you're here with us, Jen, today on the podcast. I couldn't be happier and and more honored. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. I'm glad it worked out. And I have to we have to start by talking about this post from the other day that so many of my followers loved. And they were like, my clients were sending it to me. It's allowing yourself to feel shitty when shitty things happen. And we need to talk about like that and the fact that we are in this like day and age on social media where everybody's like a hype woman and giving their motivational speeches through posts. And you look at your feed and you're like, oh my God, I have to like boss up and like, you know, you know, just power through. And I, feel like I'm going to die. So I love when we're given the permission to feel our feels. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think it's one of the most crucial bits of permission that we can be given toward our mental wellness. So, you know, what, what comes to mind is toxic positivity, right? I guess (laughs) let's just say it. That's the elephant in the room, toxic positivity. And I'm kind of allergic to it. So I'm the president of anti-toxic positivity. Um, And what I mean by toxic positivity is just the notion that the only way to be well and feel well is to always be positive. And that's actually just false, right? So while experiencing positive emotions can be beneficial and is beneficial, right? There's a lot of research pointing towards that. There's just as much research pointing towards the fact that um, if we don't allow ourselves to feel the gamut of our emotional experience, we're not going to actually feel healthy, right? Because what happens if we're not given permission, and often this starts in childhood where we're sort of, you know, told, don't feel your feelings or just smile or- Oh, you're okay. You're fine. Or you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pick, pick, pick your, pick your sentence, right? Pick the one that fits. And a lot of times we learn this as children, especially children who have been through trauma and complex trauma, 
we learn to hide the nuances of our emotions just to survive. So literally it becomes this sort of trauma response and survival mechanism. However, what happens then is we actually repress those emotions, right? Either we repress them, which means we, we, they go to our unconscious or we suppress them where we're actually consciously pushing them down. And whatever we repress and suppress doesn't actually magically disappear. They're there. They're still uh-huh. there. And they're coming out. They're just coming out sideways. And we develop all these, you know, non-adaptive coping skills to deal with the emotions that we're not allowing to come out. And this is why I feel like it is important to just give ourselves permission to feel the shit. I think the shit is, what happens is it's so, well, first of all, yes, it's social media that's like, be your best self. It's Monday, you're gonna have a great day. Like go kick some ass. And then it's this like inner voice of, if I have a hard time, they're going to think I'm failing. They're going to say, see, you can't hack it as a single mom. And that was that was the voice that I had. Like, I, I, write, I wrote about this very transparently in my book, how I left my marriage. And I was like, I've got this. I'm good. And then three days later, the universe was like, yeah, right. And Bella and I, my daughter and I were both like throwing up and had fevers and had the flu. And it humbled me and brought me to my knees. But I'm like, if I ask anybody for help, then they're going to be like, well, why'd you want to be alone? And so it's, Mm. it's this pressure we put on ourselves. How can you, how can we like get out of that? We put it on ourselves and we also, I think are, you know, I don't love this word, but we are victims to societal messages. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. It's important to note what you just said was really profound because one of the implications of toxic positivity, one of the consequences of, of that, right, of trying to go it alone or thinking that you can't reach out for help is that you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel like a failure for not being able to step up the way, quote unquote, you're supposed to. And so what I would say is gentle, 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 <laughs> loving kindness and compassion. And I know that sounds really like woo and abstract, And I guess the way we could put it into a more, or the way we can concretize that is to say, um, let's practice leaning into being more gentle. Let's even have an affirmation towards that, right? I am practicing being more gentle to myself. And then seeking out like-minded people and seeking out guidance and mentorship from people like yourself right? Who understand the absolute necessity to, of the absolute necessity of, you know, feeling all the feels and, um, you know, I mean, you put it so eloquently before, so. Yeah. Thank you. So did you though? No, I think, you know, (laughs) yes. When you have the luxury of hiring a divorce coach like myself, I'm going to say to you, it's okay. Like I had a client email me Yesterday, she had to cancel a session this morning. She's like, both of my kids and I have COVID and I'm drowning and I just, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm so sorry to cancel. And I'm like, it's going to be a rough week. You need to do what works best for you. She's like, thank you for acknowledging that this sucks. And we have to do that. And I, 
and people will compliment me on, you know, oh, you seem so strong. And I'm like, I'm strong about 60% of the time, 40% of the time I'm allowing myself to sit in bed and stare at the wall, scroll my phone, complain about nothing, cry to my husband. Like I am a deep feeler. And so I highly recommend it because if you don't, it just ends up somewhere else and manifesting in a weird way. Exactly. It comes out sideways. It comes out maybe in the way, you know, we emotionally eat. It comes out in substance abuse. I do that too. I do that too. (laughs) Bad day ice cream. Right. Yeah. It comes out in all these ways, but I, you know, I, I really want to flip on its head, the understanding of strong and not to, of course, you know, call you out for this. Call me out. No, no. All I'm going to say is that I think we have in the same conversation that we're speaking about, you know, um, society trying to amp us up and hype us up all the time to just have a great day. I want to, in that conversation, turn on its head what I think strong means. And I think strong is different in any given moment. And I think it means being radically honest and real and authentic. And so it's not sucking it up. It's not holding it together. Strong is like just being exactly how you are in any given moment, feeling what you need to feel, taking the action that you need that's, you know, adaptive towards um, helping yourself feel comfortable in that moment. And to me, that is strong. I can't tell you how many people, honestly, it's very interesting, especially women and especially women who are going through divorce, who apologize to me all the time for breaking down, for yeah, feeling I'm so sorry for crying. I'm, I get that all the time. hundred percent. I'm so sorry for crying. And if I could say one thing, you know, on this podcast that reaches anyone, it's that your feelings matter. Your crying is sacred and holy and, um, it will pass. You will move through it. Of course, of course, as a psychologist, I have to say that if you do have trouble regulating, right, on a ve- like it's so overwhelming that you literally can't function and it lasts for days on end, then of course, please reach out to a mental health professional. Yes. Of course. Uh, you know, other than that, feeling is essential. I mean, we can date feeling back to or to you know, thousands upon thousands of years. What I mean by that is um, the the understanding that feeling was essential, right? Rumi, the Sufi poet, talked about feelings as sojourners that come and go and that need to be felt. Mm-hmm. They're guests from beyond. They're telling us something. They're teaching us something. It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side. Me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? So I'm a big fan and believer and preacher of finding your coping mechanisms. 
not unhealthy ones. I'm not saying to binge drink (laughs) on a bad day, but I do think we all need to lean into those things that just make us feel good, whether it is a slice of pizza or it is just laying in bed, binge watching something on Netflix. What are your thoughts on coping mechanisms? Can we have healthy ones? How much is too much? I love this question. You know, I I think everything in moderation. I agree. I think the minute we try to restrict and cancel something out, I think that's where we're getting into dangerous territory from a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're feeling that you need to stay in bed for a few hours or a day and scroll, I would say lean into that. If you feel like you want a slice of pizza instead of the lettuce bowl, I would say lean into that. What I would say is also at the same time, maintain this awareness that that's not your everyday all day, because that's essentially not going to be helpful and actually not going to be healing, right? So I think if you're listening to your body in any given moment, listen also for those cues that it's starting to be a pattern that's going to be detrimental for you too. Yeah. I happen to be very hard on myself, Jen, like- I feel like for a long time, I was constantly at war with myself, like restrictive with my eating and very routine in my practices and and procedures. And it's taken until my divorce to really lighten the F up and like take some pressure off of myself. And that's where I learned I had to ask for help. And I did lean into the feelings over time because if I, if I didn't, I knew I was not going to survive single motherhood. But here's what I have to say. Um, you know, society, I feel like supports women in one endeavor and one endeavor only in their reproductive pursuit, right? The minute you have a baby, here we are, it takes a village. And you know what else takes a village? You know what else takes an effing village? Tell me. Just living, just living. Just, just living. <laughs> just getting from point A to point A and a half. Yeah. Single momhood, I, divorce, I mean, all the things. Listen. There's a reason why we're all like ready to face plant onto our beds, fully clothed (laughs) by like 8 p.m. every night. And by everybody, I mean me, because a day in the life is hard, married, unmarried. Like as parents, we're running, we're going, we're doing, we're we're mentally like doing 14,000 things at once, keeping track of. And that's so important that we honor that. Honestly, it's it's. Uh, it's essential. And you're not the only one by 8 p.m. I mean, you're lucky you go to 8 p.m., sweetie. I'm like by 7 p.m. after my last client, I'm like face planted on that bed. I didn't say I I didn't want to face plant by seven, (laughs) but I have a certain little somebody here who wouldn't let me. (laughs) That's true. But like pockets of moments to face plant. And like, let me elaborate on that. Literally, like we're calling it face plant. But what I'm really speaking to is a general sense of rest, right? Rest is not a reward. It can't, it does not need to be earned. And unless we take it, we're going to fall apart. And what I mean by that is literally our bodies and minds are going to make it impossible for us to function unless we take rest. And so people, you know, might be saying, well, I don't have time to rest. And here's what I'm saying. Just take a moment, whether it's, closing your eyes, taking a breath, a sigh, literally. 
anything, a moment. If you can take a 20 minute cat nap, power to you. I don't know many people in my life who can, but again, no judgments at all if you can. That's like ideal. However, it doesn't have to be that. Take one moment, use that moment to take a sip of tea or hot water and lemon. That adds up. All these little moments strung together of rest help us, help us cope. Can I tell you what else it does? Yes, sweet. It teaches our children that they need to honor their bodies and how they feel. My daughter and I, every day after school, she gets home. We come in through the garage into our kitchen. We spend 10 minutes on her homework because she's in first grade and that's fine. And then it's like, okay, see you in a half hour. Like she goes to her room, she decompresses. I make my coffee, I decompress. And then, you know, we sort of come back together and and tackle the rest of our afternoon and do all the 4,000 things we have to do. But I was very awoken to this idea that I was giving my daughter the idea that like, I was too perfect. Like you have to do this, 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 and this, and we have to keep going and we have to, and her, my, her therapist said to me, do me a favor, do what you want her to do for herself one day. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I have to show her it's okay to be tired. It's okay to rest, to honor her body, to honor how he, how she feels. And so I think there is a much larger and deeper benefit of feeling your feelings and honoring your emotions. Honestly, I couldn't have said it better than that. I have the chills all over. And literally, I feel like you're my hero. In this moment, as a neuropsychologist- That's a stretch, Jen, but thank you. Listening, no, like what you just said. And as a neuropsychologist, I have to say that I literally, I'm tearing up. I'm such a nerd. But the fact that you're just like, Okay, you understand that in first grade, it's okay, like 10 minutes of homework. What's more important is regulating the nervous system, is taking rest, is being able to like find that space for oneself. And that is just like the T. I'll tell you you. the days, the days that I, I don't allow for that downtime, it's everybody is frazzled and frantic and, and she does have a really hard time regulating. And frankly, so do I. And so it, it feels really good to say, we can't meet you guys for a play date this afternoon. Like that time just is, is hard for us. That's when we relax. And I honor that. And man, has it been life-changing. I love that. Setting boundaries and also understanding that regulating your emotions um, and learning to regulate your emotions at a certain age is exponentially most more important than that math problem that you have for homework. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't say that enough. As Honey, I can't help you with that math problem till I relax for a <laughs> few minutes. I can't help you so. with it anyway, but I can, I, can, I can show you how to take space for yourself. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question I get a lot because I am big on feeling your feelings, owning them. If you happen to have you know weak moments in front of your kids, I think that's a great teachable moment to say, hey, mommy doesn't feel okay right now. Here's why. Here's what I'm going to do to feel better so they can take that and grow from it. But how much is too much? You know, I I am of the belief, my mom actually, I had my mom speak at my book signing yesterday about her challenges as a single mom and how she struggled, but never let me see her falter. Mm. And she was saying, I never let them see me cry and blah, 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 blah. And that was great. But at the same time, I don't think that's like normal. So how much is too much? (laughs) Like, what is the balance? Yeah, you know, and there's no like percentage wise, but I would say that if you... um, you know, have this notion of mom as someone who's perfect and who's not a human being, 
then that's probably a cue that she's hiding too much. And if on the flip, if you have a sense of mommy's always in bed, mommy's always crying, kind of those absolutes, that's also a cue that maybe, you know, it's a little bit too much. Other than that, I think you're spot on. I think we have to um, teach our children um, that feeling is okay. And here's what happens when you feel certain things and here's how we f- make help ourselves feel more comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm, I love that. I'm learning this for myself so that I can pass it on honestly yeah. to my daughter, to listeners, to followers, because I, I don't know, seven, eight years ago was really of that, like go get her mindset and like, you know, hustle 24 yeah. seven and it hit me like a ton of bricks when I got separated. I, you know, sometimes it takes that some kind of wake up call and that's not why it happened, but because of, you know, the experience, you were like almost forced to look really, really, really closely at um, every little, um, you know, aspect of your life and how you were showing up. And so, you know, I really honor that because it could go one of two ways or maybe more than two ways, but right, you can either take the look and go forward and implement change or not. And, you know, the former is gonna be most beneficial to you and to, you know, your your children, our children. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really profound because I can relate to that too, of no fault of my mom's own, right? She also didn't really show emotion until now, until later on. And so I had a problem with that. I thought that um, I had to be stoic as well. And so again, she learned that from her parents, Mm -hmm. you know, because of whatever they went through their trauma as Holocaust survivors. And, and then she had no other tools, but those. And so I'm just grateful that we're here, that we have the resources, that we're in conversation about this and that we could speak about the necessity of feeling and giving each other permission to do that. Yeah. I do think we have collectively shifted out of that generational mindset from our parents where it was like, you know, for my mom, it was like, you're fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And there was no talk of therapy to how can I validate your emotions and help you through them? And I think it's just groundbreaking work that our generation is doing, you know? I do too. It's it's literally absolutely groundbreaking. And if I might go that next step, I I will say that it's life it's life-saving. Well, if I mean we can have a whole separate conversation on adverse childhood experiences, but you know, children going through things and then not having a space to deal with them actually has a direct like correlation to early death, disease, heart disease, cancers. I mean, it's real. Like stress, living in that fight or flight mentality is is horrible on a child's nervous system and will result in terrible things. And so we have to give them the tools so that they can feel and also heal. And we have to give them to ourselves. So if, okay, we totally digress. If you are feeling your feels, giving yourself the permission like you should be, but you need a quick calm, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) You like that? That's very sweet of you. Well, I 
am a big proponent of mindfulness and I did write a book called Quick Come. And oh my God, what are the odds? I, I don't know, what are the odds? That was so <laughs> like coincidental. <laughs> Thank you for that, that's very kind. I really do believe in mindfulness, especially trauma-informed mindfulness. I think all we need is a minute to five minutes a day to cue our brains to safety, to regulation, um, and to either be present, you know, with whatever we're feeling. And if that's too uncomfortable to then see if we can ground in our sensory experience until we're ready to feel again. Love that. So I you, mean, I'm I can talk for hours about mindfulness. So you, you have to cut me off here. <laughs> I'm telling you that mindfulness just sounded like such a woo woo word to me until I signed my divorce papers and realized I only had my daughter 50% of her life for the next, at the time, 15 years. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to make my time with her as mindful and intentional as possible in order to make the most of it. And that's when I truly learned that mindfulness is not just, you know, a, a kitschy buzzword. In fact, there's a boatload of research supporting the fact that it's not just a kitschy buzzword. Um, and I'm so glad that you're here like saying that because I think, you know, people still hear the word mindful and get scared away, but it's very evidence-based, it's research-backed. And yes, when practiced consistently and with compassion, it can help us be more fully awake to, to, to our life. Yep. Love it. All right, everybody. Well, this was such a nice conversation. I always love chatting with you. I think we have like- Likewise like good chat chemistry. So that's fun. Um, what do you have going on? That, what? We have good chat. Good we chat. Have good chat. We have good, good chat. chat. What do you have going on that, that people can tune into check out? You're so sweet. You know, I'm coming up with a course, some courses that will be available soon. And I'm going to dive into my next book, which is exciting, but that won't be here for a while, but um, as we know, <laughs> it takes forever. As, as we know, as you yeah. know, um, it uh, it keeps me accountable to, to say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I talk about things before they happen so that I can't fall back on my plans. Exactly. So, you know, there will be a second book, may it be so, and some courses um, coming people's way. Love it. I love what to hear you? it. Um, so I was asked this question yesterday at my Q&A and I shared... <sighs> I have, I'm half, I'm half like, don't tell them what you're doing next. And half, like, I have to put it out there so that I hold myself accountable. I am taking steps to acronym myself in the right way so that I can work more interactively with the family court here in Miami and help families going through the divorce process. So I'm doing that kind of stuff. I have found that co-parenting and working with families and helping them take a step outside of their divorce pain and anger and focus on what matters is really where my heart lies for a million reasons, but the number one being my own childhood experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I will be shifting lots of my time and energy. Well, I am here, as you know, supporting you and giving you permission throughout to feel whatever it is that you're feeling about the process in the moment. So please count me as someone in your village to raise you up. I could tell you now I'm overwhelmed at all times so that you might regret offering that. But no. anyway, we digress. <laughs> Thank you everybody for being here. This Thank was great. So Get in touch with Dr. Jen Wolkin. I will link it all, spell it all out for you so that you can have your uh, permission to feel the feels and be okay with it. 
Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On Membership Community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.